0: We have never experienced a time like this. Well, we might not have, but we have 2,000 years of church history, and the church has experienced times like this that we're experiencing today. Here on the Church History Podcast, we tell those stories, and I hope that today they will bring you courage. You're listening to the Church History Podcast, and I'm your host, Loralee Siemens. It has been a difficult time for me, and personally, I've been feeling really discouraged. And I know, based on people who have written me, that I'm not the only one who's feeling that way. Many are asking if this is the end—the end of the Church Age. If Jesus will return soon, others are living in fear where it seems every time they think things could not possibly get worse, they do. It's like we're living in a nightmare that we can't wake up from. Today I'm going to tell two stories of desperation and hopelessness, but stories where we can see God working. Here is the first story. November the 1st, 1755, was the day that the earth shook. And people turned to God. It was a beautiful sunny day in Lipson. Lipson was known as the jewel of the Atlantic, the place everyone wanted to live. The city was beautiful. On that day, Reverend Charles Davy was sitting at his desk writing, when the books and papers on his desk began to shake. At first he was confused, but then his desk started moving, and then the whole room shook, He suddenly realized it was an earthquake. He heard loud noises outside. He sat there shocked when suddenly the floor above him caved in. He was suddenly trapped under a pile of rubber. At first, Charles couldn't breathe. But after some time, the dust settled, and he got a few shallow breaths. He saw a few spots of light shining through the cracks of the rocks that were covering him. He was able to somehow get himself free and work his way out of the rumble. As he found himself free, he looked around. The town was gone. All he could hear was screaming and crying. He saw a fellow pastor praying with a group of frightened people. The devastation was beyond anything that Charles Davy could have ever imagined. And then he heard someone scream. The sea is coming. We shall all be lost. There was a sound, like a train headed their way. A giant wall of water, over twenty feet high. The earthquake had generated a tsunami. Charles Davy turned to run. How could he run after digging himself out of rubble? That was a miracle in itself. He ran uphill trying to get as high as he could. The wave hit the town and plowed through the broken buildings and up the pathways. Bodies were carried along with the wave. Davy grabbed a nearby beam and held on with all his might. He was carried along with the water, bodies of his fellow citizens banging up against him as the water pulled him along the path. The beam was suddenly stuck behind some other debris, and Davy held on as he was able to stay and not be swept away. But the trial was not over. Families had been burning morning candles when the earthquake hit. The candles in the debris had started small fires, and then the fires grew. The fires burned for five days. The earthquake was so large that it was felt in all of Europe and North Africa. It was the great quake. The next Sunday, every pulpit preached about this quake that destroyed the jewel of the Atlantic. People looked at the book of Revelation and the prophecy of earthquakes that would be felt before Jesus' return. At that time, everyone believed this was the sign to prepare people. The altars were full of people repenting of their sins and worshipping God and excited to spend eternity with him. Here is what one woman wrote. Her name was Rachel Lowe. I was never under much convictions until the Friday after the earthquake in 1755. I went to lecture, and after that was over, went in to see Mr. Brown that was drawing nigh his end. Seeing him, my mind was affected with the consideration I might be in eternity before him, and that I was not in a prepared state. As I was going home, I had a sense that every step I took was drawing nearer to eternity, and the thought that I was unprepared lay heavy on me. And when I got home, Mr. Caleb Burnham came in, and was speaking of Lipson being shook down by an earthquake. This struck me into distress. I saw my sins to be numerous. A tragedy was turned into a great revival across all of Europe and North Africa. Many people turning their lives to God and preparing for eternity. Are you enjoying this podcast? Do you want to support this podcast? Well pour yourself a cup of coffee and imagine waking up each morning with a reminder from our church fathers. Check out our Etsy page where you can find mugs with quotes from great men and women of God. You'll find a link in the show notes. And now back to our episode. The same year of the great earthquake, a little girl named Hannah was born in Bedfield, Massachusetts on October the 22nd. She was born into a wealthy family. Her father had hoped to attend university, but because he was so sick so often, his family believed he was not capable of attending school. However, he loved books and learning, and he passed this on to his children. He was known around town as Book Adams. He made sure the family had a personal library, and he taught his daughters to read at an early age. Hannah, unfortunately, had the same health issues as her father. Because she was seen as frail, Hannah was not allowed to attend school. At a very young age, Hannah became aware that knowledge was essential, so she made it a priority to learn. She drank in everything her father taught her, and she also taught herself. She read all the books in her father's house. Hannah was still very young when her mother died, and Hannah's aunt came to live with the family and help raise Hannah. She helped Hannah with her grieving, and the two became very close. But then, just a few years later, Hannah's aunt also died, and she was then cared for by her older sister Betty. Hannah and Betty would live together for the rest of their lives. Hannah's young life had already been full of tragedy, and then another disaster. Her father lost his business, and the family, that had been a wealthy family, was bankrupted. Her father, who had a reputation of being godly and extremely intelligent man, was offered a way to make some extra money for his family. The universities had a few highly intellectual students that graduated at a very young age. They were not old enough to be given a church to leave, but too educated to sit in the classrooms. So they were sent to live with the Adams. Book Adams, as he was called, would give the young boys time to debate and challenge each other on theology but the boys were also given manual jobs to do around the Adams' home. The idea was to make sure the boys were not only smart, but also capable young men who could care for a family and a church on their own. The university called this the rustification of the young boys. Hannah enjoyed having the young boys in her home. She became very interested in theology. Because the family hosted many different young men with different theological beliefs, She became fascinated with theology. She started to read books on the topics the boys were debating. She noticed that all the books painted the theological views they held as correct, and all other views as ignorant or heresy. She could not find a single book that had all the different theological views explained in a way that the person holding the position would agree with. So, she decided to write a book. But then, war broke out. The American Revolutionary War. Hannah was 20 years old. In order to have money to feed the family, Hannah learned how to sew lace. But on her spare time, she continued to research all the theological views. By the time the war was over, she was ready to publish her book, but had to find someone who would publish a theological book written by a woman. Her father helped her navigate the book deal, but did not do it well. She had to pre-sell 100 books, but she was not paid for those 100 books. She was given 40 books, which she then had to sell. She realized too late that she had made a bad deal. The book she wrote was named Alphabetical Compound of the Various Sects Which Have Appeared from the Beginning of the Christian Era to the Present Day. Hannah made basically nothing from the first edition, however, She was prepared when she released the second edition, and she made a better deal with a new publisher. The book was a huge success, and Hannah became the first woman in America to make writing her full-time job. In 1784, Betty died. Hannah became depressed with the loss of her sister. She felt like her life no longer had purpose. But she began to think about the other writers who could be making bad deals like she had made. She worked with the newly formed Government of America to create the copyright law. Hannah wrote more books. Among the books she wrote were Truth and Excellence of the Christian Religion, A History of the Jews, Letters on the Gospel, and A Summary History of New England. Hannah had been through so much in her life. Her sickness as a child, her mother's death, her aunt's death, her family business ending, a war, her sister's death, and then she started to go blind. By this point in her life, the church in America saw the importance of Hannah's work. She was respected by the Baptists, the Calvinists, the Arminianists. Everyone admired her. Pastors and other influential men from many different denominations all collectively used their money to make sure that Hannah was able to live out her days in comfort. Hannah wrote an autobiography, which was published in Boston one year after she died. I love the story of Hannah for so many reasons. While it seems like every time tragic, heartbreaking events happened, there was still another event around the corner. But she never gave up. And as a woman with no education, her books were used to educate the church on theology. That is amazing. For me, as someone who just published a book and I'm working on my next book, I find her courage encouraging. And on that note, if you don't know, I'm in the process of turning this podcast into a series of books, and the first book is available now, The Church is Born. It covers the first 300 years of the church, and I'm working on the second book. Link to this will be in the show notes. I'm giving people one more week to do a review, because I had a few people tell me they're not quite done the book yet, and they need a little more time. And then I'm going to choose one review and send that person a gift. So get your review in as soon as you can. In the meantime, I hope that you felt a little bit of encouragement from these stories. Let's pray that God uses this time of uncertainty to bring a revival here in Canada, where I live, in America, in Europe, in Africa, across the world. Don't give up love God, serve God, have courage. And don't forget to visit my website, com, for more blogs, videos, and podcasts. And I'll see you next week.